My name is Jim Derrick and welcome to another edition of Chapters. On today's program, we're going to talk about the very real impact that getting behind the wheel, drunk or impaired, can have on one family. I'm joined in studio today by Lisa and Kyle Berdour. 21 years ago, the Berdour family's lives were changed forever when they were struck by a drunk driver in the town of Auburn, Massachusetts. This accident took the life of their father and husband, Michael Berdour, and left Kyle paralyzed and unable to speak. Since then, Lisa Berdour has written a book, A Mother's Journey Through Faith, Hope, and Courage, and the Berdours now travel throughout the Commonwealth of Massachusetts educating people on the risks of drunk and impaired driving. I'm really honored to have you both in the studio today. Welcome, Lisa and Kyle. Thank you for having us. And I have to tell you, Lisa, I read this book. I actually never wanted to put it down. I told you one story that I was so engrossed in it, I forgot where I was standing (laughs) in my kitchen reading it. It is an incredible story. Uh, Lisa's story is, is one of, as I said, courage, bravery, faith, compassion, resilience. Lisa was uh, and her family are the victims of a drunk driving uh, accident, which happened on November 1st of 1997, a day, Lisa, that um, was uh, horrific for you and your family. Yes, it was. Yeah. It took the life of your your beautiful husband, Mike, Mm -hmm. uh, and Kyle's dad, and um, completely altered the shape of your lives to come. But unlike a lot of people that I know that are wrapped in anger and kind of shelter themselves after something like this happened, you took extraordinary measures to be certain that you kept living and that your family kept living. And we're going to talk a lot more about Lisa's story and what she's doing now uh, in the area of prevention and education. You grew up in the Southbridge area? Yes, I did. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. You you met Mike at work, your husband yes, at I work. Yes, I did. Yeah. United Lens. United Lens. And you've been mm-hmm. working there. And tell me a little bit about Mike and, and how you met and how you eventually married. I started a job there at United Lens, and I worked in the office, and Mike worked in the factory. He was a supervisor. Mm-hmm. And I used to always have to go downstairs to get the girls their coffees and sodas. Right. And Mike was always in the... Um, I forgot, the crib, they used to call it. Sure. In the crib, that was like an office. Yeah. And I used to always just walk by, and he used to always just say, hi, how are you, and start conversation or whatever. Uh-huh. But um, I would always go to the soda machine, and he would always come by and just talk. And so for the longest times we were, um, for the longest time, we were just friends, and I really didn't think of him as anything else. Right, It right. was just friends. Yeah. And um, after about six, seven months after... He finally asked me um, to go on a running date because he knew I used to run in high school. Uh And I was like, oh, my God, running. And I just went because I really looked at it as a friend just going out to have fun. Yeah. And so we went and um, up a big hill. And, oh, my God, it was just a big joke. And so anyway, we. (laughs) That was the kind of the basis for a start of a relationship. Yes, exactly. Something to laugh about and do together. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was that. We just, you know, I went home and we say goodbye and, and that was it then the next day I see him at work again then he just um, asked me to go out again for the following week and I was like well why not I'll just go like I said it was a friend yeah yeah and um, so we and eventually it grew but it took a lot of time for me right um, but it did grow and um, what an amazing man he is and how old was Kyle at the time you met Mike Kyle was a year year and a half so you had a year and a half year old and and um, 
boy, Kyle didn't know he was going to be getting one of the best dads anybody could ask for, did he, at that time? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of spoiler alert. I was going through a divorce. Yeah, And yeah. so that's why I was very, you know, sidetracked right. where I just was not ready for anything serious. I just wasn't looking for that. Right. So many things in your book stuck out to me. One of the themes that stuck out to me was I really felt like I got to know Mike uh, in reading this book. And uh, Kyle, I... I uh, I feel like I got to know you as well. Um, Mike, he really emphasized the kids. He was gone for, for two weeks in England. London. He had always yeah. wanted to go to London, England, and yeah. he went with your dad, I believe. Yes. Is that right? Yep. And he came home, kissed the ground, and then ran to the kids, right? And the kids were really his Mike's world. Oh, yes, yes. He right. kissed the ground first, and I was standing on the porch, and I'm like, you're kissing the ground before you kiss your wife? <laughs> I was in shock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then that's when he told me that he never thought he would make it home. He had a, That's when he said he, he thought he was going to die. Right. He had a dream that he passed away. And you had had a similar dream, right? Yes, I did. The, the week while he was gone, I had a dream that two people were killed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's when now we're in the kitchen. And I was like, I can't believe you, you dreamt that. And I dreamt that. And we were like, thank God that he came home safe. Another sweet scene uh, is... Mike's reaction to Kyle wanting the Bredour name. Yes. And Kyle, that scene of, uh, of you wanting to share the same name as your mom, your dad, and your sisters was very emotional to read in the book. But I loved Mike's reaction to that. We're just adopting him. Right, because there was no agreement from dad to to want to change the name on, on, on right. your Right, the own. biological father, yeah. even though he wasn't in his life, he didn't want to change the name to yeah. Broder. Mm-hmm. So the answer was to adopt him. That's what Mike said. He goes, I bet you he'll say yes if I say and I'll if, adopt him. If I'm not mistaken, as I was reading the book, Mike was saying he's my son anyway. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why even when I was pregnant with um, his daughters, I used to always say, what are you hoping to have? And he's like, I really don't care. I have my son. Mm -hmm. It's it's wonderful. Um, and so through this book, you really get a good window into uh, who you guys are as a family mm -hmm. building up to this tragic day. And it's really instructive because to me, you set the groundwork both through your faith that we'll talk a lot more about and through the way you lived your life to how you responded to tragedy, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. I want to remind everybody we're speaking with Lisa and Kyle Bredore. Lisa's book, A Mother's Journey Through Faith, Hope, and Courage is available on Amazon.com. Yep. Amazon.com. You can also look up A Mother's Journey on Facebook. Uh, there's also a website. And yeah. uh, Lisa's available and Kyle are available for public speaking. Uh, they do a lot of it in the public schools, uh, any school, and they will speak to any type of organization about their journey. I highly recommend this book. We are leading up to that tragic day, and, and uh, you've got two daughters at this point. They were young toddlers under the age of five, right? Yes, they were three and five, in and November Kyle was 10. In November 1997, and Kyle was a happy-go-lucky kid. He was a uh, judo star, oh, right? He, yes, he was good in every sport he did. Yeah, very active young boy. It's all good and all fun, and you guys are going out for a trip to the mall. Yes. The Auburn Mall. Yes. Right. That night, he was going to meet some hockey players mm -hmm. that were at the mall. So you're going to meet the Worcester Ice Cats, and it's just another night out with the family, right? Mike is yes. happy to be going with you, and so off you go in the van. And um, can you? It was recall? a rainy night. Yeah, can you take us yeah. back to that night? Well, we were trying to decide what we were going to do, and Mike just said, "You know, I've been gone for two weeks. 
He goes, I want to spend some family time. This is right after he got back from London. Yep. From England, yep. And um, and we had tri- um, we went trick-or-treating, and, and now it was the very next day, and he was just like, let's go do some family fun. So we went to start some Christmas shopping, and Kyle was dying for some rollerblades. Mm-hmm. So we went there. Um, it was a rainy night, and we did our shopping. We had a great time. We ate at Papa Gino's, and, and now we're... Uh, loading in the car, the two girls, we were in a minivan, the crew, two girls were sitting way in the back, and Kyle was directly behind Mike and holding on to his rollerblades, just saying, thank you, Daddy, thank you, I'm so happy I got my rollerblades. He just couldn't wait to get home. And we were driving, and I had Mike's music playing, and all of a sudden we were on Route 20, just coming around a corner in two headlights, a truck was coming right at us, crossing over, there was just no time. Mm-hmm. My arms went out. Mike's arms, I remember from the corner of my eye, went flying up. His last words were, oh, my God. Right. And crash. Right. Now you wake up. Yeah. And that is the beginning. I mean, that happens in an instant. Yeah. Do you remember the crash itself? I remember everything. You do? No. Yeah, you are all severely injured. And I think I remember the 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 young girls are out in the street on Route 20, yes. and your brother-in-law, ironically, comes upon the accident. He's a, um, a policeman, He's sergeant. He's a police officer, so he comes up upon the accident right as it's happened. Yes, yes. And then when they realized who it was, and then realizing that Norman was coming to the scene of the accident, they had to go and stop him from approaching. Right. And tell him what just happened. He lost his brother, and then he's got to go home. And now he has family. a decision to make: mm-hmm. Do I stay with the family mm-hmm. and try to help, mm-hmm. or do I go home and tell my mom mm-hmm. that she just lost another son? You know, Lisa, I'm. Often people say, "I can't imagine." I don't think I could go on. They say things like that. I, I don't. I could never go on if I lost my spouse. I could never go on if I was in a wheelchair. I could, ne- you know, I could never go on. This book answers for me. It answered a lot of those questions. Mm-hmm. The human spirit is so resilient when it's motivated by faith that you had. You had a strong and present faith long before this accident, mm-hmm. and that helped move you forward, didn't it? Yes, definitely. But also. One of our conversations really helped me also. Mm. That is also in my book. Mike and I used to drive Route 20 often Mm -hmm. because that's how you got to Auburn, Mass. And there was always crosses all over Route 20. Right. And one day I said to him, Mike, look at all these crosses. How do these families drive by these crosses all the time? It must be so hard. How do they do it? I'm like, I don't know if I could ever handle losing you I don't know if I'd be able to go on and I remember him just driving and he looked at me and he says Lisa you are so stronger than what you think you are he said everything you already handled in your life being so young he he said you would handle anything that is brought upon you and I just looked at him like wow (laughs) he was certain he was so certain yes he knew me better than I knew myself. What a gift. What an incredible gift to have that conversation. Yeah. And then he gets killed on right. Route 20. Right. It's just, and that always sticks through my mind because he had the confidence in me to know that I will handle anything that's thrown at me. And that also helped me to be the mother that I have been to to my children and to have acceptance of moving on in life because I knew if I didn't, I would have lost my children. 
It's a remarkable story. And um, I, like I said, I feel like I got to know Mike. And one of the things Mike did that is really incredible, he was always told he had a good singing voice. Mm. Can you tell me what he did with that, that voice? Because it's remarkable that he did this, in, well, particularly with what's happened. Nobody knew he had a voice. Oh, that's what it was. Okay. Nobody knew until we were at a, a party, a family party, and he just said to me, Lisa, I'm going to go up and sing. And I just looked at him, sing? It's like... So you didn't know, even though you'd been dating and married? I was married to him. No. <laughs> I, I knew he had a, a voice in the shower. Yeah. You would hear him sing little verses or once in a while, but yeah. he never actually sang a full song. And so I just looked at him like, wow, really? I'm going to tape this. Yeah. And um, and he went up there and he... um dedicated the song to me and and then he started singing and everybody was floored and when he got done he got a standing ovation and everyone was in shock total shock so he kept this a secret oh yeah yeah he just wasn't that type of person to do this often you know and then once he actually came out with it every time we had a function which was only like two years maybe before our accident or yeah. a year. It wasn't long. And so when there was a function, he would go up and sing, and everybody just loved him. One of Kyle's favorite songs is his dad's song. Yes. Uh, and I just heard it, and I will tell you, I was moved to tears instantly on a number of levels. One is the song selection, which is just incredible, and we'll hold that one for a surprise. But secondly was uh, Mike's voice was is really, really good. It's 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 breathtaking. So now back to the uh, story of the accident. Now you're propelled into the hospital, and my gosh, you had s- incredible injuries yourself. You almost lost your arm. Yes. The girls are very badly injured. Mm-hmm. You're taken. You're taken to a separate hospital from yes. the girls and from Kyle, and you've lost your husband, but you don't even know it yet. You're in the hospital, and you're just trying to struggle to understand what's happened, and why am I in so much pain, and how's my family? Right. Right. How do you think you made it through those first that first week? I'll never forget when the doctor came in that morning when I was after surgery mm-hmm. and telling me all my injuries. And I was just like, I don't want to know about me. Where's my children? Where's right. my husband? Mm-hmm. That's when everything really hit me mm-hmm. to say, I don't have a husband anymore. He's gone. Oh, my God. This is when I needed him most. I don't have him. What am I going to do? Right. Where's my son? Where's my two daughters? My son is in a coma. He may not make it. They didn't think he was going to make the night. He was just so bad. He had five cranial bleeds. Um, he had two strokes, two to three breaths a minute at the scene of the accident. Yeah. How was he going to survive this? You were told, as you said before, you were told he wouldn't make it. No, it didn't sound. If he did, he'd be in a vegetation mm-hmm. state and would never know who I am again. Mm-hmm. My two little girls being so injured. Why? What do you think that helped me to make it? Yeah, I'm just. I think it's this. Yeah. I had a choice to make at that time. I was in so much pain. My arm was shattered. My thumb was off. My neck, my back, hematomas all over my body. And the doctor said to me, "You need opioids. Opioids. The good meds to help me." Mm-hmm. He says, without these meds, you are going to be in excruciating pain, Mm -hmm. but they're very addictive. He was very honest to me. He explained it all to me back then. I'm 30 years old. I knew nothing. I was on no medicine. I I knew nothing about it. And that's when he told me, he said, this is what you need in order to help you with your pain. But your pain is going to last you the rest of your life, and it's only going to get my arm will heal to a certain point. 
in, but the rest of my body would always be in a lot of pain. So that's when I had to decide, do I want to take that or handle my pain in another way, mentally, but also taking something that would just try to help the pain. And that's when I chose to go the other route and not take the opioids and just take the other medicine that could try to help me to get me by to so that I could be the mother that I needed to be to make the medical decisions that I needed to not to be addicted to any type of medicine. And because Exactly, because if I would have took it, I knew. He was right, so honest with me. Yeah, thank God. That I wouldn't probably be able to be the mother that I wanted to be. Yeah. I want to remind everybody, we're speaking with Lisa Brodeur. Lisa is an author who's written a great book, A Mother's Journey Through Faith, Hope, and Courage. I encourage everybody to go out and get this book. You can find it at Facebook, uh, A Mother's Journey. Uh, you can also buy the book, and she'll ship it to you at lisabrodeur.com, or, and it's B-R-O-D-E. You are, or of course, you could order it on Amazon.com. So, Lisa, you have now Kyle in critical condition. He's in a coma, and uh, you're faced with some really difficult days ahead. And this is where divine intervention enters the story. You have a priest in your life that walks into the hospital who you call, he's a healing priest, right? Yes. And I really, I never met Father Diario before this. Okay. That was going to be my question. You never met him? No. My brother David knew of him and called him, and he told him about it, and he came to the hospital to check on us. Such a remarkable story. Can you tell me more about Father DiDorio? DiDorio. DiDorio. Yes. Can you tell me more about Father DiDorio and how he kind of changed and helped your family's trajectory in in these months of healing? Yes. um, Like I said, he would just show up at the hospital. And of course, I was thankful, you know, because they told me Kyle was going to not live. Right. So I was thankful for anybody who wanted to pray on him or to be around and just to help us get through this journey. Mm -hmm. And the doctors back then were telling me Kyle would not make it. And Father Giorgio, he had a different attitude with it all. And he's like, he will make it. Mm -hmm. And the doctors were not too happy with that because... He was just, his body was shutting down, just not doing good. But let me just backtrack a minute. I was, it was at night, it was around 7 o'clock at night. I got a call from Father Diario. And he just said to me, Lisa, how are you? How how are you feeling? And I said, I am so weak. I, I need strength. I said, can you please pray for strength for me? There was just so many life and death decisions. Kyle was being... Surgery after surgery, everything just kept going wrong. And at that time, I was just in so much pain Mm -hmm. that actually I asked for some stronger meds just to give me a little break because I was just so, so bad. (laughs) So I had the medicine. I hung up with the priest and he said that he was going to pray for strength and he would be come see me tomorrow to see Kyle and us. So later on, now it's a couple hours after and all of a sudden, I feel some fingers on my forehead, the sign of the cross. And it instantly woke me right up. And I actually thought I died. Mm-hmm. Something happened to me because sure. now I have a priest ring in front of me. And I had no idea. I was half asleep. And it just I was in shock. And he was like, it's okay. It's okay. It's Father Diorio. 
And my words to him were, why are you here? And he's like, God told me you needed me here now. So I came. And, and he's like, I'm here. I'm going to pray with you. So he prayed. I remember him touching my hand and he would just was doing his little prayers and he took his oil and he blessed me with it. Now the nurse nurses come in and they just say, Kyle's not doing good. He's not going to make the night. Mm -hmm. Did everything we could. You know, the doctor was there and, and it was like, wow. Oh my God. Preparing to say goodbye to your loved son. Yes. And then father Diario hurry up and left me, went to Kyle and now they're getting me up in my wheelchair. My two little girls are in the same room, and they were sleeping, so they didn't know what was happening. So now I'm being wheeled off, calling in the family, and I'll never forget looking in Kyle's room with Father Diario. It was just amazing. He was just praying over Kyle, his oils all over him, and Everybody was just like in shock. What is he doing? And he has this, um, they call it the tongue. And he prays in all different languages. And it was so beautiful that you didn't even want to interrupt him. It was just like, wow, what was happening there? And I waited until he was all done. And then when he was done, I went over to Kyle and held Kyle's hand. And that's when I said to Kyle, this is it, honey. Right. You got to make a decision. Mm-hmm. If you want to go with your father, I understand. I support you. I, Daddy's going to take good care of you. But if you choose to stay here with mom and your sisters, I promise you, I will never leave you. And we will get through this and we will fight it. We will fight this. And you will have some type of life. Mm-hmm. And after that, I went out of there. His body was 60% shut down. And just, well, I should say just before this, that one, before I went to hold Kyle's hand, the priest and the doctor had a conversation, and I was in that conversation, saying that Kyle was not going to make it. And the priest said, Lisa, you have faith. He is going to make it. And he asked me, what do you want? And I looked at him, what do I want? And I couldn't, I didn't really understand the question, what do I want? But all that came to me is, okay, they tell me my son's not going to make it. He'll be in a vegetation state if he does survive. So what do I want? I want my son to know me. I want to know his likes, his dislikes. I want to be able to make him happy. I want to be able to give him some type of life. I never once asked that he could walk or be independent. I just asked for to know me, mm-hmm. to, know, to be able to make him happy. And Father Giorgio said, you will have it all. And he was certain of that. Uh, one of the things that I got out of the pace and the way that you wrote, wrote this section in the book was how there was kind of, I imagine him being a quiet man who was just certain of what he was saying and it, and very peaceful about it, right? He wasn't making nope. bold statements and slamming no, things around. This was, was just a man like who, that. he knew that he had faith and he knew, he, 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 felt knew, it he wasn't knew what the Kyle, outcome was yeah, going to be. It he wasn't knew it wasn't time. Kyle's time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then when I was holding Kyle's hand to get back when I told Kyle to make a decision to be go with daddy or to stay with mom, 
It was only like, say, a minute or two minutes later, all the machines started going off. He was coming back. Amazing. And it was like, wow. It was, they never seen anything like it. You know, one of the things that we kind of glossed, didn't gloss over, but we haven't addressed yet, is the fact that you were hit by a drunk driver. Yes. A young man who had a lengthy record for moving violations and impaired driving, right? And on cocaine. And cocaine. So we're talking about um, now now we've got uh, anger. Because this isn't just a random accident. This is where somebody chose to get behind the wheel in an impaired state. And you've also got anger with the system that hadn't properly punished him so that he wouldn't be on the road. What what role did anger play in your life for the, the ensuing years while you're, while you're struggling to put your family back together, struggling with all the medical decisions, repeat visits to the hospital with your son and yourself? We haven't even mentioned your injuries, which were extensive, and the girls, all the grieving and burying your husband. What role does anger play? To be honest with you? Yeah. I didn't have time to dwell on that. Mm -hmm. I chose not to dwell on that because I knew if I dwelled on it, I would not be able to move on Mm -hmm. and be able to be the best mother that I could be for my children and to have acceptance of Mike dying. So I had to focus on what is, what can I do to make us be a family to move on and have the acceptance. If I let all that anger take over, I wouldn't have made it. Runs your life. Yes, it does. Easy for me to say. When I'm sitting in a studio three feet across from somebody, it, it quite literally is breathtaking because it's courage, courage to walk through the fear. Because I can only imagine, it's gotta be a fearful thing to let go of anger. Because, you know, maybe I'm not too, maybe I should be more focused on that. He's got to get hit, you know, all of that. If that runs your life. It wouldn't change anything. And I'm reading this book and I'm looking at the two of you right now. And I look at the pictures of your daughters, one who's a physician's assistant and the other one who's a nurse, um, Kimberly and Katie. Um, and I'm just looking at, look, looking at the story of your family and I'm saying, yeah, you're right. You wouldn't have had time to be the mother you, you wanted to be. No. Nope. I want to remind everybody we are speaking with Lisa Brodeur. Lisa is an author who has written a great book called A Mother's Journey Through Faith, Hope, and Courage. My name's Jim Derrick. This is Chapters Radio. You can find me at my podcast, chaptersradio.com. You know, Lisa, the word selfless comes to mind when I look at you. Selfless. Um, I just see somebody, and Grace, I see somebody who has immense courage who talks a lot about the impact of these terrible events on everybody else, but doesn't focus your your energy inward to yourself. I don't hear that in the book, and I don't get that vibe from you. It's not about me. It's about my children. I, I kind of thought you might say that. What about now? What role does anger play right now? I still don't focus on him. Actually, he's out of prison. I ran into him. Yeah. Oh, did you? I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, last year. Right. Yeah, right. at a CVS. Yeah. Totally unexpected. That had to have been hard, to say the least. I was just in shock that he, no hesitation to come right up to me. No hesitation. No. Nope. I looked right at him. And I'm like, do you know who I am? He's like, yeah, hi, Lisa. No big deal. Yeah. You know, uh, the, the description of the court scene um, was really telling uh, the fact that he'd had a record but prior to this and he got what did he get three to three to five years or something the first time around yes he served three and a half years you get out on good behavior once right. you plead guilty right and then and then he reviolated 
Yes, he and obtained a license illegally right. with the Wista Courthouse system. Just paid somebody five grand or something to get off. Uh, doing cocaine right. again, driving right. on the wrong right. side of the road, right. not doing his community service. Mm-hmm. And the issue isn't whether or not you forgive somebody, but the issue becomes the safety of our roads. And that's something you guys are focused on right now. Yes. Is prevention is taking your family's story and, by God, Getting something positive out of this. Right. Uh, Reconstruction Route 20, which oh, really? is working. Oh, yes. And is that something you were behind? Oh, yes. Yes. Yep. Tell me about that. Yep. Um, well, when our accident happened, they allotted money to fix the road. But what happened was is when they went to look at that corner, they realized that it was just too expensive. Okay. So the money that they allotted, they bought barriers to put up all down Route 20, which it's good that it's there, but it didn't fix the corner. Right. It's been on the the book, if you want to call mm-hmm. it, to fix. Mm-hmm. And now what happens is that summer um, of three years ago, I think now, or two years ago, um, I got a call from the police chief in Shelton, and he just said, Lisa, Route 20 is um, off the book to be fixed. They said, we need your help to try to put it back on. Uh So I said, sure, whatever you need us to do. Mm -hmm. So Kyle and I went. We testified. We got every single person to put it back on, which was a total miracle. Yeah. And so now it's back on the books to be fixed. It's going to be fixed in, I think it's 10 years. Now two more people get killed. A mother and a little boy. Boy. Her child. And... Now it's it's huge. Mm-hmm. Two more people get killed. Mm-hmm. There's 10 more years. This road is not even going to be fixed. So now what do they do? They wanted just to put up little, um, those little sticks with the reflectors. Oh, and yeah. it was, it, it was, I was on every channel back then. Mm-hmm. We were trying to get the governor to hear this road needs to be fixed mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. This is a danger. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just such a dangerous corner. Mm-hmm. So they did. They allotted over a million dollars, and they ended up putting up the barriers. Fantastic. So right now, there's a bunch of barriers there, and that is supposed to come down, I think, in about three more years, mm-hmm. and now they're going to put up the, the, the real thing, the barriers that need to be there. In addition to that work, you work with high schools. Tell us a little bit about the programs that you, that you do for high schools. Yes, Kyle schools. and I um, go into high schools. We do driver's ed programs, and we also do DUI recovery. And what we do when we go in, it's everywhere we go is a little bit different. If we go to a driving school, we talk about um, for 20 minutes and to the parents. And then a lot of the parents choose to buy a book for their student before they um, obtain their driver's license. Sure. And they read it, and it's a huge dis- discussion. When we go to a school, um, I tend to talk for about 25 minutes, then play a video, which is about 35 minutes long. And, and Kyle's with you. Talk again, yes. Kyle's a big part of this program. Yes, and we bring our book to life. Um, you hear the video. You hear the screaming that Kyle went through coming out of his coma because mm-hmm. he was in a coma for a full year. Right. Kyle has had 28 surgeries. It's incredible what this young man has survived and, and persevered through. Yeah. And so you bring this whole story to life. And yes. even to the point where kids can sit in a wheelchair, right? Yes, if they want. Yeah, but what's been happening is is it's hard to find volunteers mm-hmm. for the students to be put in body casts and body jackets and wheelchairs. I understand. So we haven't been doing that as much because right. it's so devastating to the children that they don't want to volunteer. Right. And that's, you know, that's a that's the point right there. The impact is experiential. It's not just a lecture. These yes. kids actually get to listen, learn, look and 
actually yes. they get to arm wrestle Kyle. Oh yeah, when you see Kyle, Which Kyle is, awesome. is um, paralyzed. He has trouble speaking. He uses a speech device. He gives the students a message, a very clear message of to be thankful that they can walk, talk, and eat, and mm-hmm. um, go to a regular school. Be thankful that you can take a test mm-hmm. and everything that he cannot do. Yep. So when these students leave there, they're saying, "Wow, am I lucky?" Yeah. You know, and Kyle lost his dad mm-hmm. in this. You know, he lost all his independence. He has so many losses, but they also look at to say, "Boy." He's an artist, he's an athlete, he's happy, he's living life to the fullest, and I'm complaining. Right, and there's a huge lesson in that. If somebody was interested in bringing this program to their school or community, how can they get in touch with you? Um, LisaBroder.com, or they could email me. Okay, Lisa Broder, it's B-R-O-D-E-U-R, and your email address? It's Lisa, L-I-S-A, another A, B-R-O-D at charter.net. So you can contact Lisa at either her website, lisabrodor.com, or her email. She speaks at schools, high schools, middle schools, as well as working in communities to help educate people about the dangers of drunk and impaired driving. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about Kyle's athletic uh, endeavors. He is a triathlete. Um, He's run a ton of uh, 5Ks, and he has a partner. Yes. Uh, Can you talk to us a little bit about what he does and where people can, can follow him? Yeah. Um, he, his partner is um, Mike DiDonato. Mm-hmm. He actually offered his arms and legs to Kyle and built him a running chair. And it was a complete stranger I met in a bike shop. And Mike has his own family, and he didn't even know of Kyle. He just overheard me talking to some woman asking me how Kyle was doing. And they've been running, um, I think, what, six years now, maybe? So and guy, now, he was just a stranger. Yeah, I never I met just. him before. I mean, that's yeah. not very fair to him. But he, a he real was. nice guy that, yes. that 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 saw an opportunity for both of them. Yes. Because this had to push Mike in ways that he never thought he'd be pushed. Oh, before. my God, yes. No Mike was never a runner. You're kidding me. No, he, he rode a bike. He was never a runner. So he had to learn to push, to run behind a wheelchair, pushing it, kind of yes. like Randy Hoyt. Well, he actually built Rick's chair. Come on. Yes, he built his running chair. So that's why he knew. That's Rick Hoyt, Randy's dad, who's been pushing Randy for years, right? Dick Hoyt. I'm sorry, Dick Hoyt. I'm sorry. Dick Hoyt. Dick Hoyt, Randy's dad. No, Rick Rick is the son. Dick is the father. Dick Hoyt and Rick Hoyt? Yes. Okay, thank you. I'll get that right. Dick and Rick Hoyt. There we go. Yes. And um, Mike Didonato built the running chair for Rick. Wow. And so he just got done doing all this, and now he meets Kyle. And now he has in his mind, because I was in the bike shop just looking for some, um, I was fixing a a tire on a bike, but I also asked a question about Kyle's wheelchair because Kyle wanted some fancy rims. Mm -hmm. So he was listening to me talking, and now he's he's finding out Kyle's story, knowing that a drunk driver hit him. He was 10 years old. You know, he was so athletic, everything, all his losses, and he was just taking it all in. And he was just like, oh, my God, this poor kid. And now he's thinking, I just built Rick a running chair. Why can't I build Kyle a running chair? So that's what he presented to me. Hey, can I um offer your son my arms and my legs, and I'll make him a running chair, and maybe we can do one or two races, and we'll see two. what happens. And, <laughs> and I was like, I was just looking at him like, are you for real? Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you know what you're signing up for? <laughs> it's like yeah. I was in shock. And, and so I said to him, 
it all sounds great, but why don't you go home and ask your wife and I'll go home and talk to Kyle and we'll see because, you know, that's a, a time, a time thing. And yep. I, you know, I knew Kyle was going to go for it, but what was he getting himself involved with? That sure. was a whole different thing. Yeah. And so he went home and I went home to ask Kyle and um, his wife said, yes, no problem. Not realizing what this was all going to lead to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Kyle, of course, got said yes. And. So it started off baking a cheer without Kyle even being in it. And I kept telling him, don't go make anything because Kyle's body's very different. Right. And um, the first chair was way too small. Yeah, yeah. Then he ended up being in a carriage type thing. And then he had to figure out how to do Kyle. I mean, it was challenge after challenge. How many races have they done, would you say? I lost track. You lost track. But, but notably, this summer, is the triathlon in Maryland? That's a Ironman. Ironman. Not They're going to be doing an Ironman this June. What is the Ironman? Doesn't it involve swimming? Yes. They're going to be in a lake. Yes. Awesome. And yeah. so is Kyle going to be pushed on a raft? Yes. Yeah. Ah, man. I'm hoping there's going to be videographers there. Yeah. Well, I'll be filming this. it. Yeah. To, well, as much as I can. It's hard because sometimes you're separate from where the activities are. I want to remind everybody, we're speaking with Lisa and Kyle Brodeur. The Brodeurs have an incredible story of resilience and survival after being victimized by a drunk driving accident. Lisa's book, A Mother's Journey Through Faith, Hope, and Courage, is available on Amazon.com. It's also available at lisabrodeur.com. My name's Jim Derrick. The name of this program is Chapters Radio. You can find my podcast at chaptersradio.com. I'm looking at Kyle right now, young man, uh, just over 30. 31. 31. So almost the same age as my son. And I'm looking at someone who has refused to give in to um, uh, to anger, to sadness, to depression. I'm sure you've had a lot of that, Kyle, along the way. You wouldn't be human if you didn't. But this is a young man who has, uh, you talk about courage. Um, here's somebody who's actually going out. I mean, for me, Thinking about being pushed along on a raft on a lake in an event like the Ironman, I, I just don't know whether I'd have the guts enough to do it, you know? He has no fear. Along with that, Kyle's also an artist. Yes. And as we heard, he's gonna his dream is to is to be a world famous artist. And my guess <laughs> is that dream's well within reach. What do you like what does Kyle like to do? Paint? Yes, he does acrylic painting. It's actually a two person effort. I have to always be holding his hand so that it's not being impulsive moving yeah. up all the time and I have to help him stretch the arm mm -hmm. to be able to do what he does mm -hmm. but mostly what he does is all with his fingers you're an amazingly strong person both inside and out I also saw Kyle arm wrestle a whole line of, of oh, high school students and they couldn't strong. beat him and these kids were all clearly some of them were athletes they are most of them and they're, they're kind of you know all being egged on but the great thing is that Kyle has a good sense of humor and has um, really good sense of where you fit in in the world. And I can tell just by your reaction that day when you were on the video, when you're arm wrestling these kids, he's not cocky about it, Kyle. Oh, no. he uh, just he, it's just he understands the irony of it. And, oh, yeah. and it's what a lesson for these kids. Exactly, because they also learn that, you know, Kyle is in a chair. Yeah, they, a lot of people look at people different that are in a chair, but they realize, wow, look how strong he is. In that he's just like them because the messages that I try to give the students is that 
Kyle is just like you. He wants to be right. loved, right. accepted, of course. And wanted, and he's really no different. And you know something? I look at Kyle, I think the word differently abled comes to mind. Kyle's got strengths that I don't have and that a lot of people don't have. He's got incredible talents that a lot of people don't have. Because he's in a chair doesn't define who he exactly. is. Exactly, Kyle, I wanted to ask you a question. Kyle communicates uh, with the use of an iPad. And Kyle, when you're speaking with these students, you have the opportunity to make an enormous impact on their lives. What is the one takeaway you want them to leave your presentation with? If I could give an important message, it would be don't take life for granted because life is too short. Be thankful you can walk, talk, or just be with your friends and play sports. Don't drive impaired in any way. Kyle, before we came in the air, we were talking about uh, what dreams you have for your future. What are your dreams? Getting married, having kids, and becoming a famous artist. And Kyle, you've really accomplished a lot. I'm just wondering what you're most proud of in your life. I'm most proud of Kung Fu and that I have never given up on life. You sure haven't given up, Kyle. Uh, and i got to tell you, what a, what a fantastic and powerful message. He wants me to tell you that he yeah. met Mike Tyson. You met Iron Mike when you were in Vegas? Mike Tyson, yep. Yeah. And Mike said to him, it was, it was just like a wow factor. He said to me, he goes, people think I am so strong for what I do. He said, but I will never, ever be as strong as this kid right here. Yeah, it was so it was so powerful yeah. for him to say something like that. And he was in tears and he told me, Kyle has changed my life because at that time he was going through some really hard sure. times and he was really, you know, better in himself. And he just told me, Kyle has really changed me. And it was so touching. How he much was, time did you spend with Mike? Oh, my God. Maybe over a half hour. Wow. Normally people are in and out. Well, what happened was is we were in our the hotel and Kyle noticed that he was there and he kept saying, I'm going in there. I'm going in there. I'm like, no, we're not. We're not going in there. Mm -hmm. I figured it was just a, a money thing to, to have something right. signed or right. whatever. Right. And so Kyle was so adamant and Kyle is a high person to say no to. Do you think? I actually went into the restaurant and I kept Kyle out and I just said, let me go into the store and find out what is happening there? Yeah. So I did. I went in and I, they, it was, it was to sign a um, picture or boxers right. or um, a boxing glove. Yeah, yeah. And so I said to the man, I said, okay, I'm going to bring my son in here. Only show him the picture. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't want to be on the hook. <laughs> Only show him the picture. Yeah. And I think it was the, um, the shorts or something. It yep. was two different things. And so... When Kyle goes in there, Kyle says to him, where's the boxing glove? I was like, oh, my God, the most expensive thing. Yeah. Does he have them today? Oh, yes. I knew it. How did I know of the end of that course. story? Oh, yes. It's, it's, you know, I would add teacher to Kyle's resume, a real teacher. He is. And I, I can tell you I've learned a lot just meeting him. And another thing that is remarkable to me, Lisa, is, and we meant, I think we talked about this at the beginning, is the way that you've balanced the entire family. Your your daughters, you mentioned, one's a, a PA, physician's yes. assistant, and the other yep. one's a nurse. I know you're incredibly proud of them. Oh, yes. Tell me a little bit about Kimberly and Katie. They're amazing girls. they um always been so close to Kyle. They're, they're second mothers, you yeah. know, and um, my stepdaughter, too, Cassie, she's um excellent with Kyle, too. She's okay. a nurse also. Oh, really? Oh, yes, yes. So they're really proud of him. Oh, yes. Yeah. And um, Kyle is everything to them. Yeah. It's like, actually, um, they're all having children now. So we have two grandchildren. Good for you. And we got one more coming. Great. 
And Kyle is really feeling it because, you know, I'm babysitting yeah, now. And it's just so this. much yeah. that it, it's it's a little bit different now sure. with our time. So we decided that we're going to have a national holiday for Kyle. A Kyle for Day. Uncle Day. But the girls are doing great. Um, Kyle gave both of them away when they got married. That's and that great. was so touching your and dad, beautiful. Your dad has got to be so proud. Kyle was a very, um, very important role model for them bringing them up. Very important. He's really taught the girls that they could not complain. If they complained to Kyle, go like they helped take care of him. So they know what it was like for Kyle, all his struggles. They'd watched Kyle scream in pain for years because right. of all of his spasms. But when they were going to school, especially college and in high school, having a hard time, angry that they had to take a test or, you know, apply for colleges or write essays, Kyle would really set them straight and mm -hmm. say, you know, Want to switch places with me? I'd be happy to write those things. He really taught them to be thankful for yeah. what they do have and, and, you know, appreciate life and do it for him what he couldn't do. What is the one message you want to get out to people relative to your mission through a mother's journey? To know how precious life is, not take life for granted, to make good choices and decisions because sometimes you do not get a second chance. Mike doesn't have a second chance to ever come back. His life was taken way too young, 39 years old. There's so much that he's lost out on. My children have been robbed of having a father growing up, having him present. Kyle has been so robbed and so much in life. There's so many dreams that Kyle has and will they ever be fulfilled? Who knows? Um, there's just so many challenges that nobody should ever, ever have to suffer like this. Dispel one of those myths that I think I've had for a long time, that grieving is neatly boxed up, and then you put it aside and you go on with your life. It's not the case, is it? No, no, no. We'll never totally... We, we make the best of our life, but every day I'm reminded of our losses. Mm -hmm. Because Kyle, every day Kyle is different. Every day he's in spasms or he's in pain and he's just having trouble, um, you know, what's happening today? How is he feeling? Is he tight? Is he, like I said, having spasms? Is he having a seizure? You know, I'm reminded every, every day of our life is there's always something. I have to be home. I'm, I don't have the freedom like everybody else has. I have to be home every day, every night for him to take care of him. And shocking to me was the financial burden on you, a lot of which was absorbed by you. And thanks to some good Samaritans, including a gentleman that you had never met that ran a fundraiser for you with over 700 people in attendance. Oh, my God. That was amazing. Right? Yes. I mean, that's a great scene in the book. Yes. But, you know, here you are a victim. And you've got a victim's fund, but there's just there's not a lot of resources for you, are there? No. Um, other than the good goodwill of other people and yes, the fundraisers and the the victims fund. But once all that is depleted, it never covers. Like Kyle, he's going on his what is it third or fourth van? Right. Fifty thousand right. dollars a van. I just had to buy him another one. Chairs and stuff are paid for through Mass Health. Mm -hmm. His medical has all been paid for. What isn't paid for is say right now Kyle had wounds on his back. He had um pus all coming out. They only give you 11 or 12 bandages a month. That needs to be changed every single day. These bandages are $5 a piece. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many bandages that I have bought. I mean, it, it's it's outrageous. Um, so much of his medical supplies that are not covered because MassHealth does not cover it. Um, like he has, a this is his old wheelchair, his other wheelchair. Yep. 
Kyle has a chair that rises. Mm -hmm. They don't pay for that. Mm -hmm. I had to pay for that. It's not a necessity for Kyle, even though his neck, all his muscle tone is in his neck. And he, you know, it's okay to be low to the ground, but it's not important for him to be with society when he's talking to people to be at a higher level. This is the injustice, right? And, And this is the thing that really stuck out for me. Again, not from an angry person, just from a practical person saying, look... Well, I'm the victim of this horrific crime, which it's a crime. Mm-hmm. This isn't an accident. It's a crime, a criminal act. And as a result, your entire life is changed, to say the least. You don't just get whatever you want from there on out. No. Oh, they'll be all set. Everything That's not is what a happens. Fight. Everything is a fight. Yeah. So you're fighting a financial, a legal, a emotional, and uh, a physical challenge. And That's right. you've and done if it. you don't have the insurance on your car, yeah. you're going to get nothing. Right. And the man who hit us didn't have anything. So if you don't take the right proper steps to protect your family through your car insurance and through life insurances, you're totally stuck for the rest of your life. A Mother's Journey Through Faith, Hope, and Courage is the name of the book. Her name is Lisa Brodeur, B-R-O-D-E-U-R. You can contact her either through Facebook, look up A Mother's Journey. You can go to Lisa Brodeur.com and mm-hmm. uh, order the book. Kyle, I can't wait to hear about the Iron Man and uh, the results and to keep following you. And again, where can we follow Kyle's athletic progress? Team, Un- Team Unstoppable on Facebook and his app page is Kyle Broder Artist. Okay. Team Unstoppable on Facebook. Yep. And Kyle Broder hyphen Artist. Awesome. Kyle is a great teacher. He teaches kids by his example of uh, what it is to live differently abled. Uh, And that's what he's doing, and he's doing it courageously. Yes, he is. Lisa and Kyle will speak to any audience that you think would benefit from hearing this story. In particular, they speak with schools, school systems. They work with re-education of uh, people that have offended Mm -hmm. the drunk driving laws. And uh, they're available in general to talk to people about uh, prevention, uh, talking to our kids to make sure that they understand what happens when they take these risks and commit the crime of drunk driving. Another part of this story is that Michael Bredore happened to have been an incredible singer, and he left behind for his wife, son, and family a collection of songs that he recorded. These are now on a CD that the family has called Michael Bredore Songs from the Heart. We're going to take the program out with Michael's recording of How Do You Mend a Broken Heart. So for my guests, Lisa and Kyle Bredore, my name's Jim Derrick saying thanks for listening to Chapters. I can think of younger days When living for my life Was everything a man could want to do I could never see tomorrow But I was never told about the sorrow How can you mend a broken heart? How can you stop the rain from falling down? How can you stop the sun from shining? What makes the world go round? How can you mend 
How can a loser ever win? Please tell me, man, my broken heart, and let me live again. Da 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 da. I can still feel the breeze. That rustles to the trees and misty memories of days gone by. We never see tomorrow. No one said a word about the sorrow. Yeah, how. How can you stop the rain from falling down? How can you stop the sun from shining? What makes the world go round? Hey, hey, how can you mend this broken man? How can a loser ever win? Please tell me, man, my broken heart, and let me live again. La 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 la. Da 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 da.